On the resurrection morning When all the dead in Christ shall rise I'll have a new body Praise the Lord, I'll have a new life Weakness raised in power, ready to live in paradise. I'll have a new body. Praise the Lord, I'll have a new life. I'll have a new home. Glory, glory. With the redeemed of God. Never there'll be no more sorrow. No, no more pain. There'll be no more strife. Yes, raising the likeness in of my sightness. Ready to live in I'll glory. be glad. I'll have a new body. Praise the Lord, I'll have a new life. Imperfection, youthful and happy I shall be I'll have a new body Praise the Lord, I'll have a new life Glorified with Him forever Death will be lost in victory I'll have a new body Praise the Lord, I'll have a new life I'll have a new home Glory, glory With the redeemed Never said no more pain, there'll be no more strife. Yes, raising the likeness in of my likeness. ready to live. I'll be glad. I'll have a new body. Praise the Lord, I'll have a new life. Eternal life. hallelujah morning when the last trump of God shall sound. Praise the Lord, I'll have a new life, eternal grace. All bursting saints are shouting heavenly beauty all around. I'll have a new body, praise the Lord, I'll have a new life, oh yes. I'll have a new home glory, of glory, glory, with the reading of God There'll be no more sorrow, no, no more pain, there'll be no more strife. Yes, raising the likeness of my likeness, ready to live I'll be glad. I'll have a new body. Praise the Lord, I'll have a new life eternal. Good morning, good evening, wherever you may be. Welcome to the Passion for Christ show. So glad to have you, friend. Hey, I just want to let you know I'm your host, Bruce Kessler, and I'm part of the greatest movement ever, a follower of Jesus Christ, because you see, in Him alone I find peace, joy, and happiness, blessed beyond measure, more than I could ever deserve, folks. My goal here is very simple, that is to encourage you, friend, along the way to help you find your passion in life in Jesus Christ. Upcoming in our study segment, we're going to talk about finding comfort. Everybody needs comfort at some point in their lives. We'll talk a little bit about how to get that and where to find it. But before we get to that study, a few things along the way. And the first is headline news. Get this. Get this. The Satanic Temple is asking the city of Boston to fly one of its flags outside the city hall. The request comes after the Supreme Court ruled this week that the city had violated a conservative activist free speech when it denied his request to fly a Christian flag 
outside the building. Get that, friend. Get that. According to Satanic Temple's co-founder and spokesperson, Lucene Greaves, contended that religious liberty must apply to all forms of religious practice and opinion, including those of the Satanic Temple. The organization has yet to decide which of its flags it would like raised at Boston City Hall. Greaves did, however, say that one option is a flag that looks similar to the American flag, except that it has black and white stripes and an emblem of a pentagram and goat skull in the place of where the 50 stars are located. A spokesperson from Boston, Mayor Michelle Wu's office, said that they are carefully reviewing the court's decision and its recognition of its city government's authority to operate similar programs. We are considering our next steps and to ensure the future city of Boston programs are aligned with this decision of the Supreme Court. There you go, friend. Can you believe this? Mmm. Satanic Temple's request, Boston City Hall, fly Satanic Temple flag for Satanic Appreciation Week. Oh, my friends, I tell you what, the world is madder than a hornet. Madder than a hornet. Mmm. You won't believe this. A retired pastor of a Pittsburgh Presbyterian church has been accused of stealing $357,000 from his former congregation. Get that, friend. Get that. The pastor in question is the Reverend Wayne, who led the community house Presbyterian church from 1977 to his retirement in 2017. He currently faces theft charges for unlawfully taking and receiving stolen property. After he retired in 2017, he allegedly frequently diverted funds from Community House. Investigators noted that a day before Wayne's retirement, he made himself, his wife, and a member of a now-defunct organization the only authorized signers on the church's bank account, therefore re restricting church members' access to the account. Following his retirement, he received large monthly checks from the church's account, deposited money into a general account. According to the criminal complaint, the retired pastor and his wife, Molly, used the money to pay for living expenses, including the mortgage, utilities, vehicles, restaurant meals, and travel expenses. Mm. Presbyterian... The Presbytery explained substantial funds designated for the church in recent years were not actually received by the church. We are deeply saddened by the situation and pray for God's justice and healing for all involved. There you go. Retired Presbyterian pastor accused of stealing over $350,000 from his former church. Just the day before you retired. Just go in there and put your name as a signee on the bank account. Shut everybody else off. <laughs> oh, my, oh, my, oh, my, friend. My, oh, my, oh, my. Mm. What people do.
Well, here's some heartwarming news. Listen to this. A large majority of Americans say their mother's faith impacted their own faith, with more than 6 in 10 saying their own religion is the same as their mom's religion as when they were a child, according to a new survey. The major finding is that a clear majority of Americans still follow the faith of their mothers. The data verify the importance of parental guidance and spiritual development, teach children how they should live, and they will remember it all their lives. Only 26% of Americans who identify as atheists, agnostics, or nuns say their non-religious beliefs were the same as their moms. Mmm. My, oh my, folks, moms matter. 63% of Americans say their faith is the same as their mothers. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord for moms. Thank you, mothers. Thank you, moms. Glory. Hallelujah. And that's our headline news for this broadcast. Now we have this day in church history. In May 1844, Catholics and Protestants fought a religious war in Kensington, a suburb of Philadelphia. Protestants resented Catholic refusal to participate in Bible reading at schools. Catholics protested since the reading was from the Protestant version, which was the King James Version, and not the Catholic Version, Douay Reims, and a rumor began circulating that Catholics wanted the Bible removed from all the schools. Protestants organized a rally in Catholic area. On May the 6th, a Catholic shot one protester. The next day, a large number of Protestants descended on the Catholic neighborhood. When Catholics fired on them, the mob set fire to dozens of homes and wrecked many others. Three days of riots were consummated in property damage around $5 million, leaving nine people dead, most of them Protestants. Protestants burned the St. Augustine Church and cheered when its steeple collapsed. A local merchant named Thomas Cope reported this event in his diary on this day in 1844. At 10 o'clock a.m., fire engines went out, state house bell ringing, a powerful light in the direction of St. Augustine. No doubt it's on fire. The flame ascends higher than the whole city, and the whole city is lighted up. Mmm. That's this day in church history. Mm, what we do to one another for this cause of religious beliefs, folks. Oh, madness. Mm, 1844, Kensington riots. That's this day in church history. And now we have a little bit of fun and name that Bible character. Here is your clue. I am the number of days the house of Israel mourned after Aaron's death. What number am I? Here is your clue one more time. 
I am the number of days the house of Israel mourned after Aaron's death. What number am I? We'll reveal the final answer to that tantalizing clue following our study segment. So stay tuned, folks, for that exciting reveal and our final segment of Name That Bible Character. Now, folks, we have our study segment for this broadcast, so pull up a chair and get your Bibles, get you a hot cup of coffee, and let's open up God's fantastic and powerful Word. Our study is going to come out of 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Folks, have you ever been in a in such a dire situation that you almost about to lose all hope. You feel this gut-wrenching feeling of hopelessness. It's heart-rendering and you're trying, you're, gr you're grasping out, you're reaching out, you're struggling. And it hurts, it's very painful because Whatever you're going through, it's just almost too difficult to describe. And you feel like it's just almost overwhelming, too overwhelming. It is at this point you realize that there is something that you need that is not available in this world, that you know. It's not from anything you can feel or touch or see. It's only something that can come through the supernatural. And that's found here in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. So let's turn there and let's begin reading in verse 2. Paul says, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ the Father of mercies, and God of all comfort. This word comfort comes from the Greek word paraklesis. And it literally means to be refreshed, to be consoled. It means to be encouraged. It means to be uplifted. It is often described as the Holy Spirit. Remember when Jesus was talking to the disciples and was talking about the fact that he was going to send out the Comforter. But this was who Jesus Christ is. The Messiah. His, his presence that would be the great Counselor, the great Consoler, the God of mercies, the God of all comfort. He is. Simply put. Your needs. My needs. Are fully and completely addressed. In God. Verse 4. Who comforts us in all our tribulations. In all our tribulations. God is in the business. Of fixing that which is broken. Fixing things that is hurting us are things that he sees in us that are problem areas. 
God is there to help in all problems. God wants to help in all areas. He is all-powerful for all occasion. God is not limited, but God is powerful. His power is unlimited in the things that He can help us in. Can I get an amen for that, folks? Can I get an amen? Is the God of comfort. And He will comfort us in all our tribulation. Why? That we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also abounds through Christ. You see, it is this cycle of comfort, cycle of encouragement, cycle of consolation, cycle of refreshment, of comfort, when we ourselves are in deep trouble, in such pain and agony, in such tribulation. That God reaches down in our very hearts and our very minds and pulls us out. And Paul goes on to say in verse 6 that now if we are afflicted it is for your consolation and salvation. Which is effective for enduring the same sufferings with which we also suffer. Or if we are comforted it is for your consolation and salvation. Again it's this cycle of comfort. It just goes around. What comes around goes around. And that's the way we should live within the church. As we experience the very power and very refreshing and encouragement and very comfort of God. We need to pass that on. So that others can make it through those difficult and tough and unspeakable moments of their lives. Verse 7 of 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And our hope for you is steadfast because we know that as you are partakers of the suffering, so also you will partake of the consolation. He just keeps going back to this idea that you are suffering. You are facing tribulations. You are troubled. And guess what? The God of all comfort, Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, Jesus Christ, the refreshment, the great encourager, the great counselor, will be there for you. And when that happens, and when you experience that, you share that and help others experience it in their lives. So Paul goes on and answers the question of why this is important and who it is that we're talking about that's on our side. Verse 8, he says, For we do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened beyond measure, above strength, so that we despaired even of life. Sometimes there are times in which we, you friend, whoever you may be, wherever you may are, you reach that point where you feel like that death is just around the corner. You hurt that badly. You hurt down to the core. And Paul was reminding these Christians at Corinth that there was a time in which we despaired even of life itself. Verse 9, yes, we had the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. 
these moments of suffering, believe it or not, these moments of tribulation, these moments of trials and tribulations, these moments of real struggle in our lives that everybody will face sooner or later, it's that point where we need to trust and reach out and grab a hold of Christ even more. And trust in God, the God, the same God who raised Jesus from the dead will also raise you up. Verse 10, Paul says, Who delivered us from so great a death, who does deliver us. Not, not only did he do it, but he continues to do so. And God continues to do so even today, in whom we trust that he will still deliver us. Paul was looking to the future. Not now, but the future that if he continues to live and preach the gospel and trust in God, that God will lift him up. Be there for him, just as he will be there for us. Verse 11, you also helping together in prayer for us that thanks may be given for many persons on our behalf for the gift granted to us through many. You see, prayer just glues it all together. Seals our needs. Seals our hope. Seals the trust. Seals the faith that we have. And the God of all comfort. So Paul concludes in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, starting in verse 15. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the tradition which you were taught, whether by word or by our epistle. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and our God and Father who has loved us and given us everlasting consolation and good hope by grace, comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. This is the power of Christ. This is the power of the great counselor, Periclesis. And you need to trust in him, friend. Believe in him, friend. Lean on him, friend, and he will always be there on your side to lift you up and to love you. Do you trust in him, friend? Do you hold fast to him, friend? Are you facing deep, deep struggles right now? It could be anything. We don't know what that might be. You could be facing the worst trial of your life. Maybe, maybe it's somebody close to you struggling with some kind of physical problem in their lives. Maybe they're facing some type of disease in their lives, sickness in their lives, struggling your loved one, your father, your mother, your son or daughter, a husband, a wife. Lying on their deathbed. And maybe you're there sitting in the wee hours of the night, holding their hand, wondering what to do. Well, Paul says, We have the God and Father of all mercies and the God of all comfort who comforts us in all our tribulations. Do you believe that, friend? I pray. 
that you do. Turn to him today. And that's our study for this broadcast. Amen, folks. Once again, we need to find comfort. Let's turn to each other and turn to God for that source of rest. And now the conclusion to and final segment of Name That Bible Character. Here was your clue. I am the number of days the house of Israel mourned after Aaron's death. What number am I? 30. That's right, folks. 30. Numbers 20, verse 29. When all the congregation saw that Aaron was dead, they mourned for Aaron 30 days, even all the house of Israel. I am the number of days the house of Israel mourned after Aaron's death. What number am I? 30. And name that Bible Character. Hey folks, you too can become a follower of the greatest movement ever follow with Jesus Christ by submitting your heart, life, and soul to Jesus Christ in baptism. You will find repentance and forgiveness of sins blessed beyond measure more than you could ever deserve. My goal here was very simple. That was to encourage you, friend, along the way to help you find your passion in life in Jesus Christ. Visit our website, normanchurch.com. Normanchurch.com. Well, friend, I just want to tell you this. It's been a privilege and an honor for me to have you walking along my side during this show. May God bless you. I am so happy now, you may be asking how, nothing would keep me down because my heart is safe and sound, oh how my Lord was true, my Lord was true, even when life seemed, life seemed dark and no one could take from me, no one's gift that set me free. Jesus has given, given me His wonderful grace, you see. Jesus died for me. So I sing this song because I'm looking to eternity. Once I was lost in sin, no one would take me in. I was beyond repair and all my life was in despair. Oh, how my Lord was true, my Lord was true. Even when life seemed, life seemed dark and no one could take Jesus has given me, given me His wonderful grace. Jesus, Jesus died for so me. So I sing this song because I'm looking to eternity. Jesus has given, given me His wonderful grace. Jesus, Jesus died for so me. So I sing this song because I'm looking to eternity. I am so happy now. So you may be asking how. Nothing will keep me down because my heart is safe and sound. Oh, how my Lord is true, my Lord is true. Even when life seemed, life seemed dark and no one can take from me.